Merry Christmas. Welcome to our family gathering this Christmas Eve. Uh, my name is Jay. It's my honor to welcome you here. Uh, I get to pastor this community called Cultivate. A um, couple things I wanted to uh, just announce and remind you of before I sort of get into our, our message this morning. Uh, one is that you're going to need uh, candles. So we have a box up here at the front that has those in it. We're going to start to pass those around. Thank you, Mr. John, for doing that. Uh, so that's the first thing. The second thing I don't want to miss is that, hey kids, we, we have uh, activity packets for you up here at the front. So if you want to come and grab a coloring packet and some crayons, that would be awesome. Come up at any point if you want to grab those, get those for your brothers or sisters. So that's the second announcement. Um, the next announcement is, uh, in terms of giving, we are, we're not going to be passing baskets around, uh, this evening, but we, we are taking an offering. And just so that you know, for the month of December, we've been raising money for something called the Living Gift Campaign. And that is to raise money for livestock for our community of Dijon's in Haiti. And so, if you would like to give to that campaign this evening, we're going to tally up kind of what we raised for it, but there is a box that is on the back wall that you can drop your donations in if you have uh, a donation to give. You can also go to our Facebook page and look for the Living Gift Campaign. If you want to give online, you can do that. So one of those two methods, either through Facebook, uh, with our, our Cultivate NJ's Facebook page, or at the box in the back, it's it's just to the right of the, of the uh, doors as you make your way to the back. Um, we have coffee. Is that right? Yes? yes? Amen? <laughs> and hot water. Great. And the, the last announcement I want to make sure to, to mention is that we will not be here in this room on sun, this coming Sunday morning. We will be gathering in homes throughout the area if you'd like to see a list of those homes, you can look at our bulletin or look uh, on the realm. That's where we keep that information. All right. Did I get everything? Everybody's got a candle at this point? No? All right. We're working on it. Okay. Candles, activity packs, go. Anyway, Merry Christmas. Uh, it's great to celebrate with you guys. Um, we have, uh, as a church in the month of December, we've been in the, the very last book of the Bible, which is a very odd place to be, I know, uh, during the month of December, but we have been looking at the second coming of Jesus uh, and what that tells us about the first coming of Jesus. And what we've realized is that we, in a sense, live between two Christmases. We live between the one that we celebrate uh, at, in this season, but we also look forward to one uh, that is coming that kind of fulfills all of our deepest longings, deepest hopes, deepest dreams. And so we're going to be in Revelation 22, which is the very last page of the very last book of the Bible. So there's good news for you. If you don't know your way around the Bible, you can still find it. Okay? You just start at the back and flip one page and you are there. Okay? So if you want to follow along in the Bibles that we have, that's great. The words will be on the screen as well. 
But I'm going to be reading Revelation 22, verses 6 to 22, okay? This is what it says. The angel said to me, these, are word, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets, sent his angels to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Look, I am coming soon. Oh, I forgot to do something. We forgot to light the candles. That was the other thing I forgot. I need a volunteer. Let, can I ask, is there a little boy who came the furthest of any kid here? They probably traveled farther than anybody. Malachi, do you know anybody like that? Do you? Do you want to light the candles? All right, come, to, Mr. John will show you how. All right. Can we give Kai a hand? You do a great job. Thanks, buddy. Do you want the microphone too? No, I shouldn't. I shouldn't tempt him. <laughs> um, anyway, that's better. As we were saying, uh, verse 7, Look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. I, John, am the one who heard, th- who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and s- it, when I'd heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, Don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with your fellow prophets. And with all those, all who keep the words of this scroll, worship God. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, has sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, and let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. One of the things I'm sort of noticing about Christmas is that uh, it's sort of a season when we go looking for what's been lost. Uh, now, it could be a trivial thing. Like for me, when, when I was decorating our house, I realized that I didn't have like this one little adapter that I needed to like t- to make something three prongs into two prongs. You know what I'm talking about? And it was like, without that little adapter, the entire light show is over, right? So I'm, I'm turning my house upside down, and I finally go into this one table by the front door, and I, I, I find not just one adapter, but two. And I immediately realized, oh yes, I put them in this drawer and I said to myself, Jay, don't forget that they're here. And I did, right? Um, so we may go looking for things like that. But, 
we also might um, go looking for, for bigger things, things that have been lost. Uh, might be the loss of health or the loss of a loved one. Could be the loss of a relationship that was close to us. One of the things I'm noticing is that Christmas is a season when we go looking for what's been lost. And all of us, in the sense, we come to Christmas looking for the restoration of things that have been lost. And so for that reason, it's, it's, it's always this sort of mix of both hope and sadness simultaneously. And, and John, who's the, the author of this little section that we just read, is writing words of hope to a group of people who are well acquainted with loss. These are a group of people that because of their faith in Jesus, they, many of them lost their homes or their businesses or their freedom. Many of them experienced the loss of people that they love either due to imprisonment or even execution. And those people who have experienced loss would be reading John's letter to them, asking through tears, God, when are you going to restore what's been lost? When are you going to bring back what I've lost? A few weeks ago, uh, our Cultivate Community group was spending some time sharing stories of uh, Christmas experience that we think may have kind of shaped us the most as a, as a person. And for me, uh, Christmases were always a time that was full of joy and full of laughter um, I had a great childhood. I had two amazing parents. I had an okay sister. And she's <laughs> uh, she was wonderful too. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but I think the, for me, the most shaping experience that I can remember, remember is that uh, on Christmas Eves, we would go to my grandparents' house and we would eat together and we would play together and we would open gifts and. The, it was sort of the highlight of the night every, every uh, year was that my, my grandfather would break out his harmonica and he would play music for all of us. And I remember sitting around his house and listening to him play the harmonica and it was just like a, a time of togetherness and joy and unity and love. But I, I remember when I was 16, um, the story changed. And uh, my grandfather um, came down with cancer that year. He would pass away just two months later. And it was, a, it was the year when my family sort of went their own different ways. And we still visited my grandparents on Christmas Eve, but I remember uh, we, we didn't eat there. We, we, um, the, the four of us in our family actually ate at a, a nearby Wendy's before going over their house. And there's still something about Wendy's that depresses me, <laughs> even to this day. Um, but it was one of those Christmases where you knew never, things were never going to be the same. And we've all had Christmases like that. We've all had experiences like that. But what I've realized since, since telling the story a few weeks ago, I've realized how much when I get to the Christmas season, I long to be that kid again. I long to be a child who believes that the, the world is a place full of security and love, that things will never change, that loved ones will never go away, where the world seems whole, where all the, the sad things actually come untrue. Like I said, Christmas is a time when we go searching for 
what's been lost. And, and the question that I would ask you is, what have you lost? And where are you hoping to find it? There is good news for you. There is good news that no matter what you are looking for this Christmas, Jesus has come looking for you. That He is God's final answer to your deepest longing. You need not settle for less. He is the source of all good who joins us in our losses and walks with us through the darkness. That's our good news. Um, if, if you read this section, you kind of notice these two verbs that sort of come out at you again and again. One is come, which is an invitation to kind of come and, and be with Jesus and experience His kingdom. And, and that's kind of what Christmas is all about. We sort of know that, that, that God has come to us. But the second one, which might be a little bit more interesting, is the verb to look. Um, and that is a word that I hear all the time as a dad around my house, right? Because I have three boys and... All the time they want to get my attention and be like, Dad, look! Look what I'm doing! Look what I made! Look what I destroyed! Look, look, <laughs> look what I can do! You know? Like, um, and, and, and as kids, it's an, it's an invitation for me to pay attention. To pay attention to who they are and what they're doing. And, and to not miss the important things that are happening around me. And John uses this word look 84 times throughout this letter that we call Revelation. And what I would submit to you is that we, we, we will miss out on what God is saying and what God is doing if we don't know who we're looking for. If we don't know what we're looking for. If we, we ask this question all the time, what child is this? What child is this? And John gives us an answer to that question. In fact, he gives us three images that we're going to look at briefly tonight so that we would know who this Jesus is and what he's come to do and how that changes everything. So what child is this? He is the root of David, he is the lamb who was slain, and he is the bright morning star. So let's look at the root of David. Um, David, you might know, is is sort of Israel's greatest king. He, he represented an era of peace and prosperity that Israel really never saw again after uh, his reign. And people in, in Jesus' day, hundreds of years later, would have been asking this question again and again and again. Will things ever be as good as they were when we had David? Will things ever be as peaceful? Will they ever be as secure? Will they ever be as prosperous? And the, the prophets foretold of a king who would come and not just be as good as David, but actually surpass David. That he would unite God's people, he would throw off foreign oppressors, he would lead them into victory. But the problem is that like hundreds of years go by and that king never shows up. But they get a whole lot of imitation kings. They get a whole lot of lesser kings who always seem to disappoint them. And these leaders come along wave after wave who promise the world to them. Who promise greatness and prosperity and peace like they've never seen before, but they're never able to deliver on those promises. And so the people become discouraged and cynical. And after hundreds of years, to these people 
who suffered loss after loss after loss. Jesus comes onto the scene and He's described as the root of David. Now, I, I don't know if you know anything about botany. I'm not a botanist. Um, and, uh, so, but here's one thing I, I kind of understand. That, that whatever you see happening above the surface is a reflection of healthy things that are happening below the surface, Right? It's the unseen things below the surface that make what you see possible. And and what John says in verse 6 is the Lord, the God who who inspires the prophets and sent His angels to show His servants the things that must soon take place. He's talking about Jesus. And what he's saying is Jesus, He's not just one among many. He is the one. He's the one who sent the prophets and the angels and the kings. And yes, that even includes your greatest one. Christmas isn't just a celebration of one among many good gifts that God gives. Christmas is a celebration that the source of all good gifts has come to live among us. To come to make things new. We get the giver to which every good gift points. See, many of us, we we ask the wrong question, but it's the same question that Israel asks. When will things ever be as good as, and then you fill in the blank. Will I ever have a gift as good as, and you know what your greatest gift has been in life. And whether or not you have that gift now, or you had it at some point in the past, And maybe you're thinking about that gift and you're thinking, I'm just discouraged or even cynical. Maybe you're nostalgic for the past and you think the the future could never measure up. Maybe you have that gift now, but it's slipping through your fingers. See, we're so prone to missing the root for the leaves. Which is essentially what we see John doing. John, what does he do? When he's presented with this amazing picture, he he bows down and he worships the angel rather than the one that the angel sent. The the one who who sent that angel to him. The one who who deserves our our worship. And we, we do this all the time. We sink our hopes and our dreams into temporary gifts. And it, it, they're, they're good things, family and, and children and health. The restoration of broken relationships. Financial peace. But Jesus is saying to us tonight, oh, that you would only see those things for what I intended them to be. The gifts of a good father who longs to gain the attention of his children. Because the truth is, every gift does fail, but the giver doesn't. I love in in, um, Revelation 5, earlier in the the letter, John is um, thinking about how the world's going to get put right again. And he he looks and he, he says, I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? And the scroll is, is a, a kind of a representation of God's plan to, to set everything right again, to make all the sad things come untrue. But John looks around and he says, no one in heaven and on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside of it. 
And I wept because I because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Do you, I mean, do you hear what, what's going on in John's heart? He's going, I want the world to be right. I want God to set things right. But I, I look again and again and again around at the world and nobody seems to be able to do it. And then one of the elders says to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, is triumphed. And he is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. There is one who's going to make all the sad things come untrue. See, after John looked in vain for anything he could find to make the world right again, and and maybe you've been down that same path too. Maybe that's why we tend to be a little cynical. But at the moment, he was ready to give up all hope. The angel tells him, look, there's someone else. You don't need to look for the Davids of the world to be the answer because the root is here. To people who are used to being let down, this is an invitation to look past all the leaves and all the gifts to the root and to the giver of those things. Are you discouraged? Are you tired? Are you ready to give up all hope? There is good news for you. That no matter what you were looking for this Christmas, Jesus has come looking for you. He is God's final answer to your deepest longing. You need not settle for less. He is the source of all good who joins us in our losses and walks with us through the darkness. All right, what about the lamb? John, uh, when he hears about this lion of Judah, he looks at the throne expecting to see what? A lion, right? But what does he see instead? A lamb. What's like more fierce? The lion, right? I mean, if you're going to imagine a creature sitting on a throne, you're like, yeah, a lion's a pretty good candidate. I'm not so sure about the lamb, though. But that's what he sees in verse 6. I saw a lamb looking as though it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne. See, here's something that you need to know about Jesus is that he does not come as a lion just to roar at the world's problems. He's no Facebook troll. He doesn't just come and denounce all the bad things and say what's wrong with the world and and shout at us about how to fix it. He comes as a lamb. A lamb who was slain so that he would suffer the effects of our broken world, that he would... He would subject Himself to our brokenness, to our pain. And we see this throughout Jesus' life. He's born to a poor, teenage, minority refugee. He's born into a feed trough because there's no bed for Him. His welcoming committee includes animals and shepherds. The one who created our earthly home has no home to lay his head. And he goes throughout life rejected and misunderstood and slandered until he's ultimately beaten and killed on the cross. Someone needs to hear this tonight. The reason that Jesus can join you in your loss is because he's the God who knows loss himself. 
the way Jesus brings His restoration work into your life to what's been lost is not just by giving you encouragement or words of advice. He brings restoration by suffering with us. By experiencing in Himself the losses that we've racked up. He doesn't come to you and say, there, there, it'll be okay. He comes to you and He says, me too. And that means, family and friends, you you don't need to hide the messiness of your life from Him. You don't need to pretend that you're something you're not. You don't need to pretend that things are better than they are. You don't need to pretend to put on a happy face and think that you need to have some kind of Christmas cheer. You, You simply need to make room for Him in your mess. Because He's ready to meet you in the reality of your loss. He knows what it's like. We don't need to pretend in order to find Jesus. Christmas is about finding deep, penetrating joy in the midst of our circumstances. The one who reigns at the center of God's throne is the one who is slain. There's good news that no matter what you are looking for this Christmas, Jesus has come looking for you. He is God's final answer to your deepest longing. You need not settle for less. He is the source of all good who joins you in your losses and walks with you through the darkness. Um, Does anybody know what the morning star is? We talked about this back in the fall, but you have any idea? Traditionally, it's actually thought to be the planet... Yeah, go ahead. Oh... That's a good... We'll get back to that, Declan. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird term, right? The morning star. The stars don't last till morning, right? Ah, uh, but there's one that does. It's actually not a star, but people thought it was a star. It was the planet Venus. It's the only thing in the, in the constellation in the sky bright enough on certain days to outlast the darkness. You could see it even past dawn. And what Jesus is saying is, I am the light that outlasts the darkness. Which is a a message that's in stark contrast to the one that our culture gives us. Our culture essentially says to us, look, if you want hope, then look to the light within. You you want light? Well, be the light that you want to see in the world, right? I mean, that's, that's the message that we often hear. And I... And I get that on some level. I think I understand that sentiment because, look, if, if you've been burned by the world again and again and again, if, you, if you've been let down by every gift and maybe even by the church itself, which I realize is a common thing, then it's natural, it's, in a sense, to become jaded and to think, you know what, the only person that I can count on is me. So if I want light in my life, I can't count on anyone or anything to be that light for me, I'm going to let my light shine. Right? Let me just lovingly suggest to you though, from someone who's been down that path before, that that way of walking through life is three things. It's incredibly burdensome. It's incredibly lonely. And it's incredibly unnecessary. Because Jesus says, come to me. 
all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So Jesus is saying, you don't need to walk through life depending on yourself anymore. You don't need to carry that burden anymore. You don't need to live in isolation anymore. You, you, you can walk with me because my burden is lighter and I know the way to the dawn. I'm the only one that will last through the night. If, if I could last through the night of three days in a tomb and come out the other side on Easter morning alive and resurrected again, then I can come through your dark night. You be sure of that. And I will not leave you and I will not forsake you until the dawn comes. Jesus is inviting you and me to look for Him. He longs for you to welcome Him, to say to Jesus, come. Jesus is saying, come to me with your cynicism. Come to me with your regrets. Come to me with your what-ifs. Come to me with your doubts. Come to me with your distrust. I can handle it. The good news is no matter what you are looking for this Christmas, Jesus has come looking for you. He is God's final answer to your deepest longing. You need not settle for less. He is the source of all good who joins you in, our, in your losses and walks with you through the darkness. Um, one of the things that we weren't looking for, but we found this Christmas, um, as we were kind of you know, going through old stuff, was a harmonica. And uh, I say that we weren't looking for it because our youngest son, Anthony, um, has loved nothing more than to blow this little harmonica with all his might to the chagrin of his brothers. <laughs> and he's had a cold too, so it's like he's the only one that can use it because it's like stuff's coming out of the holes now, you know? <laughs> But as he's been, as he's been carrying this harmonica around, blowing it away, you know, um, you know, all, all of us were like, "Okay, okay, that's enough, that's enough." And um, but I, I watched him doing it one time with like this look of joy and satisfaction on his face, and I heard the voice of Jesus saying to me, "Look, look at what I'm doing." I'm making everything new. Would you watch for me? Would you come to me? Would you see that I'm breaking into your world even today? How is the same Jesus trying to get your attention? Will you look for him? Because he's come for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you sent not just another good gift. You sent the giver. Jesus has been, you've been the source of every good thing that we've ever had in our life. And you say, if, 
if God will not spare His own Son, but if He'll give Him up for us, how will He not along with Him give us everything that we need? And, and yet, so often, the evidence that as we look in our life, as we look around us, it seems buried below the surface. We don't see your activity. Would you show us, God, that you are the one who's suffered loss more than we could imagine so that you could join us in the darkness and bring us light? One day you will triumph, Jesus. And we wait for that day. But today we ask you to come and to give us eyes to see. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. As a as our Christmas Eve uh, Greek, excuse me, Christmas Eve service draws to a close, we are going to end it with a candle lighting portion. Um, and lights are pretty. Candles are beautiful, especially around Christmas. But this is more than just lighting pretty lights and looking at them and singing songs and ending on a good feeling. Um, so I wanted to give you some parting thoughts about this candlelighting service. Um, we're declaring that Jesus is the light of the world and that Christmas is a time um, that celebrates the coming of our King. Um, and I, I just thought of two verses that demonstrate this. Um, Jesus said about himself in John 8:12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Um, and maybe as you're receiving this light today, you need to ask Jesus to be the light of your life. Maybe you're receiving him for the first time. Uh, maybe this gospel message has resonated, it has penetrated your heart. Um, and you can talk to any one of us, um, talk to any member of the worship team, Jay or myself, and we'd be happy to talk with you about what it means to receive Jesus as the light of your life and as king of your world. Um, maybe you're reaching out to God because you want to experience God in a way that you haven't before. Maybe you're asking him to refresh you. Um, maybe you're asking Maybe you've been asking God to show himself to you in a real way. And this is the last verse I want to leave you with. Uh, Philip, in John 14, said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. That's what Jesus said about himself. So as you receive this candle today, realize that Seeing Jesus as the light of the world is seeing the Father's love for you. Um, so as we light this, I'm going to light this candle and I'm going to light somebody else's candle and we're going to kind of pass it around. We're going to pair that with just a declaration. And you can make that declaration. You can say, come Lord Jesus. Um, to just announce and speed his coming. Okay. So I'm going to light this candle, and I'm going to try to put this microphone down. <laughs>